weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael and Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 381. Mr. Samich. Host Belmont Huzzah! Or should we do uh, Ascot Huzzah? we got a couple things going on here. I love it. <laughs> you gave me multiple takes. We'll figure out which one is better and uh, fix it in post. Hey, we're happy to uh, to see everybody here. Thanks for joining us. It is a uh, This is, without a doubt, the best Monday that I've ever had following a Triple Crown race in 2022, Mike. Easily. Yeah. This is, this is a fun Monday, and it's nice that the Triple Crown is over now. We can start prepping for Del Mar and for Saratoga, which I'm super excited about. We got Ascot that kicks off this week, which I was not excited about on Sunday or Saturday, and now I'm excited about on Monday. So I already put up a preview that you got to post up on the YouTube page talking a little bit about Ascot Day 1, which, by the way, did you know we've got, a, we've got an Australian horse facing Golden Pal? I did. I knew that uh, actually. I knew that about a week or less than a week ago when he was declared for it. I can't think of his name, uh, but then one of our followers sent us an email to make sure uh, that we were aware of that as well. But is it, that is exciting. A lot of people, even our fans, don't really know that much about this Australian horse, Mike. Well, it's it's kind of crazy because it's so it's in the King Stands uh, Group One, ten forty a.m. Eastern. So you got to get your butt up early if you want to watch the matchup. Um, but it is. I'm scrolling down right now, so I'll be there in a second. Uh, okay, nature's nature stripe. Uh, is it. running and nature strip is 20 for 37 with 13 million dollars in earnings that's who golden pal is facing and, and golden pal obviously struggled internationally over two although ran really well at ascot just missed a learjet uh, as a two-year-old so it'll be fun to see him back in action and see uh, if, if wesley Ward can kick it off and i love the fact we've got four u.s trainers that sent horses to ascot this year so it's not just wesley Ward that's trying to mm -hmm. represent for the u.s so you're going to have quite a few entries in there um, i think the first one's actually a two-year-old for george arnold who's running in the second race um, so it's it's, it's going to be a fun day. I like the morning racing with my coffee, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, Chris says they run in the opposite direction in the Northern Hemisphere. For the most part, yes, your form will say RH, meaning they have right-handed turns or LH. But at Ascot, a lot of the races are just straight, including this one. So it doesn't matter which way you're used to turning. There's no turn. It's just go. Go, 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 and then go some more. I mean, there's slight lefts and slight rights on the sprints because you go to one rail as they break out. That's but true. there's really no hard turns, right? There's, and, lots, and of, there's lots of verticals. There, there are yeah. lots of vertical Gs, less horizontal Gs, definitely, because they'll go over the hill, and I'm like, I get a little sick. I'm like, every time I see it happen. The undulation is strong at Royal Ascot. They, I love that. Downs-esque. That is a perfect line for uh, for Ascot. Like Mike said, uh, we've got the Royal Ascot Day 1 preview that will be up later today at RacingDudes.com and YouTube.com slash RacingDudes. But, Mike, on today's show, it's all about the Belmont Stakes Racing Festival. We had some ups, some downs, a lot of fun, a lot of things to talk about, buddy. Let's not waste any time. Ride is up! All right, 
right, Mike. Let's talk about well, that's the acorn stakes. Let's talk about the big one. That, that's the one everybody cares about, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The acorn stakes. No race. There was some controversy there. That is the last gonna be fun to talk about. We're saving the best for last. God bless yeah. uh, the Asmussen Rosario drama that's happening. Let's start with the big one, the Grade One Belmont Stakes. Eight uh, horses. I keep wanting to say boys, but Nest was in there, and very importantly, Nest was in there. Uh, yep. Mile and a half. The test of the champion. It goes to Mo Donegal. Uh, just a very impressive effort here, but I think just equally impressive. Her the Todd Pletcher stablemate Nest. Uh, a bad start, kind of stumbled and. Got knocked around and still a very strong finish. But let's focus on the champ, Mike. Pletcher's fourth Belmont win, the first for Mike Rapoli, who bought both of, into both of the Pletcher horses this year. He's like, damn it, I'm winning the Belmont this year. So uh, pretty impressive effort, right? Yeah, I mean, this was this was a, a very impressive, very expected effort from Mo Donegal. Even when you were able to go back and watch the races, you felt like this was the chance that he had the best chair, the, the jewel that he had the best chance in the Triple Crown. Uh, Pletcher obviously skipping the Bel- or the Preakness to set up this Belmont run for Mo Donegal, who was able to sit a little bit closer to the pace. You saw one thirteen. Uh, six furlongs versus the wicked pace that they set in the derby, which meant that he was able to sit a little bit closer and still have a nice kick. I loved the ride from Irad Ortiz as well. If you go back and you watch it, he kept Modongo clear around that second turn. And, and really, the difference in the race was Ness' start and the fact that Ness didn't get to hit the go button until after Modongo had already spurted clear. When you watch the replay, I think Ness was as impressive as Modongo in this race. And just didn't get the trip that she needed. Jose or Irad did a great job of keeping Mogonagal outside. And, and when asked, he absolutely went. I mean, we were watching it live, did the reaction, and we were all like, okay, when's he gonna go? When's he gonna go? When's he gonna go? And then all of a sudden, Modonagal just ranged up by himself. And then when the button got pressed, he just took off. And it's like not this like wildly fast horse, just this grinder, but he's gonna keep running 12s on you all day. And that's what mm-hmm. makes it so tough to get by him in these longer races. Hit, uh, hit play on the replay there, Mike. We can uh, watch it back here. Um, <laughs> Mo Donegal, very impressive. And, and I know I was the only one on the, the team that took a shot against him. We'll get to We the People in a second here. But uh, Mo Donegal with a, a great break there. Uh, the six horse, um, one of two were in the Rapoli Silks. Uh, a great effort from him. We the People, let's talk about him. He ends up finishing fourth. But I thought he did everything almost everything uh, right in this position. There's one criticism that I had, and Mike, it was on the, we talked about it on the live show leading up to this. We said the way that you need to treat this if you're Flavian Pratt is you can't let them stay bunched up. If they're bunched up together on the back stretch, that's great for horses like Mo Donegal and Rich Strike and Barber Road, and that's not so great for We the People. Um, do you think that that ended up doing We the People in, the fact that we were this close, or did it really not that matter matter that much? I don't think it mattered that much. And the main reason is because Skippy Longstock can beat We the People, who was right there a length behind him and, and close to those pace, those fractions. So I, if he's not going to be able to hold off Skippy Longstock, and even if he opens up here, let's say he goes 112 instead of 113, he opens up a two or three length lead into the far turn. I, the fact that he wasn't able to re-rally, or that Skippy Longstock was able to go by and then hold him off, and he did put in an effort to get by, tells him that We the People just wasn't going to be able to win on this day unless he got an easier lead. I mean, the fact of the matter is Skippy Longstocking was a real thorn in the side of we the people throughout this entire race. I mean, he put pressure on him early. Uh, you saw Pratt had to kind of go a little wider in the first turn to swing in to try and get him to back off. And even after he did that, Skippy Longstocking stuck right to his hind legs. And, and you could see that that we the people never got into a completely cruising, comfortable, just gallop out speed there. And even right here when he starts to ask a little bit, Skippy Longstocking responds right away. And so it's he never got completely loose, completely comfortable, never never had the easy lead that you saw like early voting have, for instance, in the Preakness. And that just meant he wasn't going to have enough down the lane. 
I thought that Manny Franco had multiple great rides, and this was the, the last of them, but he had a really great ride in the race before this as well that we'll talk about in a second. But Manny Franco and Skippy Longstocking did exactly what Joseph Rabonowitz and all the other Skippy Longstocking supporters wanted. And, and this is kind of the point. Look at We're at the quarter pole, and look who's in the top four and look who's in the back four. You need to be uh, within range at the quarter pole. This is something that I talked about in the uh, the, tr- the trends for the Belmont Stakes is that you need to be – it doesn't matter if you're a closer. By the quarter pole, you've got to be close, and you've got to be within range. So the top four are going to se- uh, separate here. Uh, Mo Donegal, I think <laughs> think about the quarter pole, Mike. We all knew on the live stream that uh, – Mo Donegal had that one, a great effort from Nest. Uh, Mo Donegal's path, let's talk about that. Jim Dandy on July 30th, that seems like that's going to be his target race uh, with the path to the Traverse Stakes. The Traverse is looking like it's going to be the Kentucky Derby, but just the good horses, right? Yeah. Not the bullshit. So it's what the Kentucky Derby should be, which is the good horses, and not the bullshit ones that are going to turn into an historic uh, pace collapse. But um, he's going to do that. And some people think it's, and this is funny, where, where was it? Where's the comment? Uh, That's amazing. Uh, shoot, where it is from Chris. The reaction shot from Rapoli was hysterical, given you literally bought into the horse derby week. I, it's, <laughs> I listen. I would make fun of him, but I know that he's a local boy and he's been trying to win this for forever. And he got second uh, a, lo- a while back. Was it was Stay Thirsty? And he's like, he said after the race, he's like, I've watched that replay of losing it 150 times. I don't have to watch that replay anymore. So. Good for he him. Also, anyway, he, sorry, he does a lot for Belmont Park too for the backstretch and, and, yep. and, and, and Saratoga's backstretch as well, donating dorms, a library, I, just a bunch of stuff that he's done that, that have been wonderful for Naira racing in general. So I don't really care when he bought it. I'm happy he was able to get one. Yeah, the guy cares. That's that's great to see. And uh, I mean, not to throw shade at him, I'm kind of happy Sal Cuman wasn't anywhere close to winning this one this year. <laughs> it's nice to, nice for Sal to let someone else have a shot. Um, anyway, so Jim Dandy so, on the. Uh, and then the Travers, uh, Pletcher's two Travers winners, Stay Thirsty and Flower Alley, they did both do that path, Jim Dandy to the Travers. So looks good for him. Ness is going to drop back to the Philly ranks, which I think is smart, a great effort here, but they're looking at the CCA Oaks at Saratoga and then the Alabama on the 20th being her main goal. Seems logical, right? I mean, this is a great Philly, a great Philly. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense to go that route. I I talked to Dr. Miranda about this afterward. I wouldn't like she loved every bit of this mile and a half. Let's be very clear. She loved every bit of the extra ground. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if we see her show up in some of the marathon races long term. If that maybe you end up seeing her in some of those mile and a half races like we saw in the undercard here against your warrants and your lone rocks and like uh, like horses like that, because she's better than she has the ability to be better than if she develops into it. You never really see Phillies running those races, but it, it kind of fits what she wants. This mile and a half is clearly what she wants. Dennis says he can now watch the Rapoli can now watch the replay of Nest losing the Belmont 150 times. I didn't think about that. Uh, Sorry, we're gonna say Mike. Well, let's let's focus a little bit on Ness. I mean, we we mentioned the break. Let's take a peek at this break that she gets right here because I think this is this is one of the keys to breaking out of the three three hole here. And she stumbles pretty bad right there. You see, Jose have to really go back. She's actually behind Rich Strike early. And then if you watch what she does to go into the first turn, and they go the first quarter in 23 and change, she runs that first quarter significantly faster than everybody else to get up into that spot. Jose kind of checks back here as, as Flavian comes over toward the rail, and she holds this position until the far turn. Mm-hmm. That start seriously affected her, and, and that, that made a big difference in the long run here of how she was able to run this race. Uh, we'll take a look at her into the far turn as well, but that start was awful. 
Go back to the uh, entering the top of that first turn there for a second for me, because uh, I noticed something with Skippy Longstocking. I don't know if it made a difference, but her positioning for Skippy Longstocking to go outside of We the People instead of tucking in, or you see how We the People is coming out a little bit. Skippy's going in. Right here he's going in, and he goes, nope, never mind. Nest is right there and has to redirect a little bit. So uh, that just an interesting little uh, volley. Okay, you can move it to the, to the far turn. I just I wanted to make sure that I had seen that. Uh, so here we, here we go into the far turn, yep. and you can see that Modoggle hasn't asked yet, right? Yep. Nest hasn't really asked yet. You've got We the People and Skippy starting to go a little bit. Jose wants the rail with Nest here. Mm -hmm. This is when he wants to make his move, because if, if Jose can make his move here and get the rail, he gets the jump on Modoggle on the outside. And that's who he's watching. You can see him looking back with that orange cap, looking at the six horse. He knows he has horse, and now you see him here. He's trying, oh, he's trying. He's like, mm -hmm. okay, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. Now I have to swing out wide, but Modoggle already pushed the button right there. Yep. So I remember that to, live, yeah. Now you have to run down a horse that's already got its momentum built up and swing out. And I thought she did a wonderful job here because she even closed some ground a little bit late. I never thought she was going to beat him, but I was impressed at her run here to kind of take a step forward and try and go after him. So I, I think Nest ran huge. And I was I was surprised by that. I did not. I had the other, the three behind it in the super. I did not have Nest in my super, unfortunately. And then she ran big. I, I was really, really impressed with Nest here. And she ran well in the Kentucky Oaks, if you go back and look at it. Secret Oath, again, got the jump on her, and she was kind of trying to weave through traffic. So I think she's a, a darn good filly. This is true, too. Yeah, the, the, the Ortiz brothers. Well, Truth Exposed meant the Ortiz brothers, the Ortiz brothers. We know what you mean. Um, listen, we're not the ones to try and correct people here uh, on this show. Uh, Truth Exposed does say Nest already better than Secret Oath. The only reason Nest lost that race is because she was the Kentucky Oaks is because Nest was blocked in on the rail and Secret Oath got a jump on her. Okay, that's a great point. That's now two races at the grade one level, Mike. We've seen that happen. So um, just an adjustment if you're the jockey is is try and be careful with that. Now, Jose did the ground-saving trip. That was a good job. He just couldn't get out, and that's kind of the risk you take with trying to save the ground there. But um, what do you think about that? Secret Oath, Nest, where do you rank them, Mike? I think Irad kept him in, too, which was a key. He, he yes. didn't go on Modonagle until he was ready to fully go. Smart and that, guy forced, that, I read. that forced Ness to try and take the rail. And when it wasn't there, she had to, to, to bail out. Jose had to bail out. Um, I had Ness and Nazi Growth in the Oaks. I kind of feel the same way that Ness is the better horse of these two. Uh, it'll be fun to see him. I'm sure the, the coach will bring uh, – bring, uh, Secret up to Saratoga, so I wouldn't be shocked oh, yeah. to see these two bang heads once or twice. He loves doing that, so I'm excited to see the re the matchup. And it, you know, field size is going to be wildly important. Why do I say that? Because you have two closers. You may have like it could be tough for both of them if you have lone speed up there. But Ness has more tactical speed to me than Secret Oath. If the field size isn't big and she's able to get a good trip, I think she's going to be really tough in those races at Saratoga. Hell of a triple crown season for Jose Ortiz. Uh, wins the Preakness and then second in the Belmont, I read, winning this one. Uh, let's uh, Real quick, we'll run through the rest of the horses. Skippy Longstocking, uh, Creative Minister. Those two horses, Mike, I think they're well served. Just yeah, it's like class drop. Go win the Ohio Derbies or the, the Indiana Derbies. You know, that's the sort of thing. Yeah, you're nodding your head. We the people, he's going to take a brief freshening before the second half. Uh, they say, Brissette said he came out of it pretty tired. Uh, yeah, I would say yeah. so. He looked pretty tired by the time he crossed. Uh, listen, I'm, uh, I got to, well, he was five to one when I bet money on him and then he slipped to nine to two and I still thought it was fine. Seven to two. I don't think I would have bet him the way that I did, uh, or as confidently as I did, but, uh, we'll see what happens with him. Rich strike. This is the last one really to focus on. Uh, the trainer, Eric Reed blamed himself after the race for telling Sonny Leon to keep the horse clear and off the rail and says that that is why Rich Strike lost the race. Mike Samich, is that why Rich Strike lost the Belmont Stakes? If that's the actual reason, I'm 
I mean, it's incompetence to not know that before this race. I mean, you've had this horse for a while. How do you how, like this is the eighth race? How can you not have figured that out by now? You look at this, and you can see Sonny Leone is trying to keep him off the rail. If you look at his head, it's consistently cocked out. And every time he goes toward the rail, Sonny kind of pulls him out a little bit, and you see his head go out. So I, I believe those were the instructions. But let's be honest, man. He ran an 83 buyer. If you take out the derby, this was 19 points higher than his best dirt buyer going into the race. This it was one worse than his best buyer outside of Kentucky Derby. He ran a career best race outside of a pace dependent effort in the Derby and ran sixth. I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure what else to say about that, except I can't wait for him to come back in the Travers so I can bet against him again in all of the head to head matchups because you're getting minus 145 against Modonigal. You're getting minus 110 against We the People. You're getting plus 165 against Skippy. I mean, it's just, it's wild when you compare that to compare the resumes of those horses. Uh, Rodney, nobody's sleeping on Secret Oath. We're happy to see. We really want to see her uh, and Ness, you know, face off the CCA Oaks, the Alabama Throwdown together. Uh, you know, the coach isn't scared of anybody. Um, it'd be real interesting to see those two. Um, let's see. Uh, Barber Road, Golden Glider. A Golden Glider didn't surprise me. Barber Road surprised me a little bit. Just that you know, you you took the blinkers off and then you had Rosario. A terrible effort on debut without blinkers, so maybe maybe put the blinkers back on Barber Road and, and along with the class drop, along with that yeah. class drop. Look, Barber Road just not good enough for these horses at a mile and a half with, at this pace. And it's like Creative Minister. Look, I think I think Creative Minister and I think Skippy Longstocking both will win a graded stakes this year. I think both of them will do it. Creative yeah. Minister a mile and a half was too much. Skippy Longstocking could easily win one of those one of those underneath derbies. If you go back, I've said this before. If you go back and watch the Preakness. You, Skippy Longstock got a terrible trip and has tactical speed. We saw that tactical speed here. I, I, I expect Skippy Longstock to win a graded stakes this year. And I think Creative Minister will too. I mean, I just, this was a really tough grind for Creative Minister. The only horse in this race that ran on Derby, Preakness, and Belmont Day tried to go a mile and a half here. It was just too much. So I, hopefully Creative Minister gets a break, comes back at some point, and then we get to see Skippy take, get it done as well. I don't know if Barbara Rose is going to win this year. I'm sorry, guys. Like, Barbara Road doesn't really like to win. That's a big problem with Barbara Road. Oh, yeah. Poor man O'Donagle, Mike. Yeah. He doesn't win. That's why he's poor. <laughs> well, O'Donagle just won. He's more like... He's, he's poor. He's, That's why I said poor means you don't win. So he's poor. No, he's more like... Uh, let's see. What's a, what, what was a good third place? He's more like a poor man's uh, bravazo, right? <laughs> That's better. That's better. Yeah. That's a better one. He's now he's not he's been downgraded to poor man's bravazo standing at Calumet Farm. Um, I do want to bring this up, uh, Shadi. I've got the note here. So fun story, real quick. Uh, Michael Myers in the fantasy league. His day went from bad to worse when you and I won the racing dudes triple crown fantasy league. They officially finished last. That is a very costly uh, position for him because they have to pay up. However, not only that, he was running his mouth about Barbara Road in my decision to use him, which, yeah, maybe not the best use along with women of people. But I was, hey, I was taking shots. Uh, <laughs> shots, shots misfired. Um, I will say what was great is that Michael Myers said there's no way that Barbara Road is better than Golden Glider. I said, Barbara Road is absolutely better than Golden Glider. How much are we betting on it? I pulled a Mike Samich on him. You'd be so proud of me. He goes, and I threw it out to him. So how much do you want to bet? What are we betting? He says, $20. All right. Barbara Road was not last because Golden Glider was. There's one horse behind him. So Michael Myers not only paid you and I uh, because of the fantasy thing, you know, his money becomes our money. He also threw me an extra 20 bucks because of that. So thank you, Barbara Road. I am so happy I did use you. I do want to bring up one more thing. First off, I'm proud of you for actually beating someone in one of those bets. Um, I want to bring up, yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? I want to bring up the odds phenomenon because it happened again. 
Skipping okay. Longstocking bet down from 20 to 1 to 11 to 1. Golden Glider bet down from 21 to 14 to 1. You get 8 to 1. Every single horse that was a longer shot got bet down in the Belmont, just like we saw in the Preakness. I'm going to be interested to see when that happens again, when we see that that shift in the money again, because we don't see it on the, on the minor races. But in these public races, we are getting it. Is it going to happen to Travers? What about Breeders' Cup? Are we going to have these horses that get bet down anytime they're a long shot? Or is this a two-race phenomenon because of what happened in the Derby? So that's something I think is a really interesting sub story mm-hmm. about this whole triple crown trail. Cause let's be honest, Mo Donald shouldn't have been five to two. Mo Donald should have been seven to five or eight to five in this race. Right. But like it just, that would have been the correct price in this spot, but because golden glider gets bet down because Barbaro gets bet down because rich strikes ridiculous four to one because Skippy Longstock gets bet down. That's why you end up getting the price that you got on some of these other horses. Uh, great point. I don't think we'll probably have to wait to the Travers to see it again because the Rich Strike phenomenon happened because of his 80-1 to phenomenon. So um, yeah. I think it'll slowly start dwindling, but I think at the Travers we'll get a good, uh, get a good shot. Um, one thing to touch on, the Tappet Kids, my, my whole angle with Tappet Kids at the Belmont. Uh, it's now five of the last nine winners yeah. for, from Tappet. The Tappet Kids finished fourth, fifth, and uh, eighth. So not the best day. Fourth, yeah, fourth, fifth. Seventh, sorry, fourth, fifth, and seventh in the race. So not that that's any better. Uh, Mike, let's transition from here to talk about the other three-year-olds of the picture because, like I said, the Traverse Stakes is shaping up to be the Derby, but without the bullshit horses that created a historical pace meltdown. Early voting, Zandon and Epicenter all worked at Churchill Downs for the Jim Dandy. I mean, that is it. I mean, you've got Mo Donnacol, early voting, Zandon and Epicenter all aiming for the Jim Dandy. That doesn't suck. Um, Jack Christopher and Cyberknife are both aiming for the Haskell, as is potentially Taba with Bob Baffert will be back as his trainer by that point. Taba could also possibly wait for the shared belief stakes at Del Mar on September 3rd. That's a straight three-old race. And then possibly whatever his next race is after that, they go awesome again in Breeders' Cup Classic. So three-year-old picture kind of summarized it. How do you see things moving forward, bud? It's going to be a fun rest of the year. I mean, this is this is a fun class, right? You don't have that wild standout horse. You have some horses that want to go. You have some horses that come from the clouds. Like it's just a very fun class to handicap. It's a fun group of horses to watch. You've got people that are very passionate about these horses, from the Rich Strike to the Barber Road to the Mo Donegal to the Nest to the Secret Oath, even on the Philly side, even Taba and Messi. Like you have a lot of Epicenter. people. Who- epicenter early voting i mean like you have a lot of people who are really passionate about a lot of these horses and what they can do zandon i should have mentioned zandon he's another one people are really passionate about so it's fun to have so many fan people involved in this where they are they want to see these horses run and we're going to get to see them run against each other which i think is kind of cool here the fact that you have a lot of new york trainers with studs means that the haskell the jim dandy and the travers are all gonna be a lot of fun i'm gonna put you on the spot Belmont Stakes is over. We uh, we take a break until the Jim Dandy and then the Haskell and everything. So, uh, second half of the year, who is the best three-year-old, the second male, the second half of the year? Who do you project to have the most improvement? I mean, how do we judging that? It's like stakes winning, stakes well, graded wins. I, like if you, so my thing is, I think Zandon is going to progress. The, I think he has the best chance to progress to be like the Breeders' Cup Classic winner out of this three-year-old crop. So for me, that's what I'm thinking. Like by the time the Breeders' Cup hits, who are we going to say, man, the second half of the year, that horse really freaking took off? I still think Epicenter is the best horse in this class. Well, God bless you. <laughs> I, I like after watching these three races at a mile and a quarter, which is where a lot of the races are going to be run now. Right. We don't have the mile and a half distance. We're going to be mile and eighth, mile and a quarter, pretty much the rest of the way home. I think Epicenter is the best horse in the class. I think Mo Donegal is pretty good, but I think Epicenter is the best horse in the class. 
Shadi, this is true. Shadi was all excited when I joined the Barber Road thing, and I said, "Be careful! I'm the epicenter fan, and I'm now coming to your side after two diff- disappointing uh, losses." There, I'm very, I'm very sorry. Yeah. Well, listen, I forgot. I keep forgetting this, Shadi. I did tell Michael Myers. I was like, I can't wait to tell Shadi what to do with your twenty dollars. So you tell me, Michael Myers, just twenty bucks. What do you want me to? We'll bet it on something, or uh, we'll wait for that. We're not betting on a Barber Road. I'll tell you that much. But I do want to say caveat. If they stretch Jack Christopher out, who I'm sure we're about to talk to talk about, yep. he may be the best three-year-old in the class coming in the last second half of the year. We will talk about him in a second. Before we get to the rest of the Belmont undercard, Mike, we got a real quick read here about BetPTC. If you're not aware about BetPTC yet, first of all, you probably are just now tuning us for the first time. Welcome. But here you go. Real quick. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Samich coming at you here. And today we're excited to talk about a new partnership over RacingDudes.com, BetPTC. Uh, we just added, went into a partnership with them, allowing our users to be able to get not only a $200 sign-up bonus after they bet $750 on the site, but also a rebate. Aaron, you've been using BetPTC. Tell us a little bit about the rebate that you can get. Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. You get up to 4% on your win wagers, 8% on, on exotics. And the great thing about it is with a lot of rebates, well, you don't get them at all with some. And with some, it's, it takes a while for it to hit your account. Not with BetPTC. Immediately when that race goes official, A, you're going to get your payout, hopefully, because you've cashed your bet. But B, that rebate hits your account immediately. So if you bet 100 bucks on a race, guess what? Or, or let's say a win. You're going to have $4 in your account immediately when that race goes official. And like I said, up to 8% for exotics. It's pretty awesome. Make sure you check to make sure your state's eligible for both BetPTC and the rebates, since it does vary from state to state. If you're looking to sign up and take advantage of a $200 bonus, just click on this Sign Up Now button here at BetPTC.com. Make sure you enter out, enter in all your information, scroll down to the bottom, and make sure you include, include promo code DUDES when you're signing up to be able to get a $200 bonus after betting $750. That gets deposited right into your account. And then you're eligible to get rebates back as well. So make sure you give it, uh, give check out that PTC and give them a shot to see if they can earn your business. I always forget that that's there at the end of it. If you haven't yet signed up for BetPTC, make sure you do that as a racing dude's ADW of choice. Use the promo code DUDES, D-U-D-E-S, and you get a $200 bonus once you spend $750. Mike, we're going to go through the undercard Belmont Stakes Day because this was a lot of fun, if not always successful financially for us. The Manhattan Stakes. Oh, boy. Thanks for that. Started right off. Poor channel maker. I mean, at, at that point, all I could, my heart broke because I knew this horse that I was so excited for, he had no shot. Let alone None. the fact now Trip Huvin's gone. Yeah, I mean, that, that obviously took a little bit of bite out of the pace, uh, although they did still go pretty quickly up here. I mean, this was kind of a one-horse race, one horse race and then an eight-horse race behind it. But, yeah, Channel Maker breaking pretty much completely took his chances out. But to be honest, he had never had a chance in this race anyway, so I don't think it really mattered how he had broken. He could have broken with a rock on his ass and wasn't going to win this race. Uh, Look, Trip Huvin goes right to the lead, and I actually love Satine's position here. I thought he was sitting a perfect spot because Trip Huvin has given up these type of leads before, we talked about it on Friday with a 51 to one Chad Brown horse that got to the front and, and held on for third, just wasn't able to get it done. The next day, Tripuvan 19 to one gets out to the front. And this time he doesn't stop. Not only does he not stop, he just gallops here. I thought this was a really impressive race from Tripuvan. I have no clue where it came from, but I thought it was a really impressive race from him. What's annoying about this, and there's no way of, I mean, this is it's why it's horse racing, right? It's why baseball has the stupid uh, human umpire still. It's like, there's just chance for error. And, if you had told us as handicappers, Channel Maker is not in this race. So here's now here's this setup. Okay, it should be even looks like he might go off and get to a lead. Did we think it would be this big and that he would run this huge? No, this was like this was career best uh, times a million. And by the way, 
second straight, well, the Belmont was the second straight race where Manny Franco here on the lead with Tribune, just a smart race because entering the turn, you see that huge gap, just, and that's what you're supposed to do. That's what we the people were supposed to do one race later. Flavian Pratt wasn't paying attention. That doesn't usually work, okay? Usually when you're up at six or seven, it's not a good sign. Like, you usually want to be up one or two lengths, comfortable on the lead, but like, he went 113, 136 for the mile. This is this isn't like this is a short race. This is a long race. And so to go 113 and then 136 for the mile is wildly impressive here from a time perspective. I mean, I mean, when you're when you're going this far, you don't expect to see a horse do that. And so I thought this was just really impressive. He even came home in 159. So he did a sub 24 final quarter after setting the pace. And it's not like speed was doing great on this turf course either. So just a really, really awesome effort here from Tribuvin. Uh, Gufo runs up, Adhamo runs up, but this was really a one-horse race. Again, I, I'm most disappointed in Santini here, who arguably sat the best trip behind Tribuvin and just empty down the stretch. But this was just a nice effort here from Tribuvin. And, you know, you see Rock Emperor trying to run on. You got the eight. You're trying to run on, but it's just there's no one catching him. Uh, yeah, Santina, I'm with you. The biggest, other than Channel Maker blowing the start for me, I think, especially odds wise, Santina at seven to two was your second choice. And there's, other than the fact that maybe he just is gassed and needs a break now, I can't come up with a reason for why he just flopped like he did. They, he did have to get his shoe repaired in the paddock right before the race. I, I'm not a horse person, so I couldn't tell you if that actually means jack shit for a horse getting ready. Maybe it threw him off a little bit, but for him to run that flat, unless he did lose another shoe or something, um, I don't know what happened with Santine. We'll see what happens with him moving forward. Gufo, uh, this will be interesting because uh, to see how you and I interpret this. I have uh, been against Gufo almost all the time. I was against him here as far as a win goes. And in this case, I proved correct. Uh, but for me, Mike, what it comes down to, I think Gufo is a play against when it comes to big fields. When it's a big field race like this, this isn't the time I want to play Gufo. If he's only got four or five horses to chase down, ironically because he's coming from the back, that's when I want to play him. But what did you think about Gufo here? Well, that wouldn't worked out so well last time either because he had four horses to try and chase down and he ran second to Highland Chief, who was 19 to 1. Um, look, first off, this is Nick's dead on. He didn't just win on a loose lead. He just dominated the race. I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't one where he just was out there up front and got a slow pace. No, he just ran away from him for a mile and a quarter and everyone else was like, where the hell did that horse go? Um, this is officially, we, we like the first year we did this, right? Four years ago. Man, I can't believe it's been that long. I think it's four years ago, maybe three. When Sadler's Joy was out there, we called this the, the unplayable favorite division. We are back to that. They're, this, they're just trading wins here. And you're not really sure which horse is necessarily going to step up and do it. But you can't take the short prices in these fields because you have goofy things happening every single time. You saw you see, had Highland Park at Cavalry Charge at Fairgrounds. Now we've got Tribuven at 19 to 1 here. Just every one of these longer turf races are producing prices. And it's really hard to pay someone at anyone at two to one when you have so much just turmoil going on in every one of these it's just it, i can't take favorites and that i didn't use at homo at all i had goof on one ticket i didn't have goofo on the press pick five which Latruska. um so like i just don't think you can include these type of horses unless you're getting the right price and you should always be aware of the chad brown rabbit at this point because it yes. almost happened two days in a row uh tournament wise that's the, that's one lesson i learned from the manhattan 
uh, yeah, from this weekend. Just play the Chad Brown Rabbit in a tournament race. It's probably going to uh, it's gonna give you one hell of a thrill, at least. Um, last horse that I wanted to talk about, I don't know about you. Uh, we both were excited about the five in love for Paulo Lobo and, and kind of like Santine is sitting right there with a chance and just didn't pick up the feet. First time really in America going beyond a mile. Eh, it's kind of back to maybe a mile and a 16th, mile and an eighth. I think a mile and a quarter was too much. Yeah, I'm out of love in this horse. Let's let's be honest here. Paulo Lobo every now and then jumps up with a price. I don't hate the use in this spot because I do think that it, I was expecting love to mm-hmm. run better. But, I, I mean, you got to get the price. And the price was right. And so it's one of those where, you know, I'm going five deep and I'm playing four or five prices. I don't mind using in love. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think a mile and a quarter was what in love wanted here. Uh, I, you know what, as far as the pick fours go, which is what we like to do, specialize on it with the show. Usually, um, Paulo Lobo, if you continue to get a price on him, if you think there's a chance for the horse, I think go ahead and use him. I, I'm not going to say this was a terrible use. The horse just didn't pick up the feet, but we looked at angles, right? We were finding angles. There were different things to, there were reasons why at that price, the horse was playable. Just didn't work out for us. Speaking of horses that may or may not have been playable at certain prices, uh, at this point, I don't think there's a single price in the world. You don't want to play flight line at just play flight line. Um, the Breeders' Cup winning your in did, Met wait, Mile. Did, did you play flight line? We're talking about what we learned from this weekend, Michael. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> uh, no, listen, I, I took a shot against him, and, and I, I thank you for setting that up because Speaker's Corner, I came on and made a very passionate, like, here's how it's, it, it's going to take all of this lining up for Speaker's Corner to win. 10 seconds in the race, I went, oh, my God, it's lining up exactly as I said. And you know what happened? Didn't fucking matter. <laughs> Flight line is the best dirt horse in the world. Better than life is good. I, I'm, I, I don't think there's any question at this point. Talent-wise, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this, was, this is tough because we don't know when we're going to see Flightline again. And this horse is an absolute, absolute freak. He won by six, and that's the closest anyone's ever been to him. He won by six, and that's the closest anyone's ever been to him in a race. Stretching out, didn't look like it was any type of issue going to a mile here. Can he go longer? Probably. I mean, like, this is this is a horse that could try those mile-and-a-quarter distance, classic distances, has the pedigree to be able to, to stretch out. So it's going to be interesting to see what you do with a horse like Flightline here and then how you manage this horse's campaign. Because the big thing that, that we're all concerned about, right, it's a fragile horse. When are we going to see Flightline again? Where are we going to see Flightline again? Will we see Flightline again? Listen, that start for Flightline. I, trust me. When I saw that, I, I got so excited. And I, I didn't yeah. say it. I, I, on the live stream, I tried to contain myself because, you know, the race just started. You didn't Thank contain God. yourself well at all. You, you're like, I said that. Look, look, look. He broke in. I told you he would. And then Speaker's Corner came over. Like, I said he'd do that too. That's true. So you did not control yourself. I was very excited. <laughs> uh, fantastic race, Flightline. Um, it sounds like either the Whitney or the Pacific Classic will be next for him. If he was a normal horse, Mike, I would say, why would you cry this horse in a mile and a quarter? Why not stretch him out a little bit less and then aim for the Breeders' Cup Classic uh, for your stretch out? I, I don't know. Any distance, anywhere, on dirt, just throw him out there. He's going to win. Aaron said it perfectly on Dude to Bet Sports that uh, it's like how Jerry would say with Matoli. Is he in the race? Play him. That's all. Play him single and move on. I mean, honestly, this is a life is good-esque talent, right? I mean, we've seen life is good, who's wildly talented, what he did to, to Nick's go. I, I mean, like, he can go any distance he wants. He, he faced Jackie's Warrior at six furlongs, wins the Breeders' Cup mile, takes on uh, the Breeders' Cup classic winner and destroys him, right, in Florida right after that. 
I would love to see these two hook up. And man, would they go fast early because they can both absolutely fly. Now, the breaking thing, which you brought up, I think is a great point. That is a huge weakness for flight lines. However, the longer we go, and you can watch here as flight line breaks Sorry, in a little the replay. bit. The longer we go, I was waiting. I'm just, you know, just patiently over here. The longer we go, the less the break matters, okay? Because the slower they go up front. Now, it will put them in some hindrance here. That was a great move right there, by the way, to come over and take that rail away from flight line. Because I think flight line would have gone right on by. Um, and then right here again, you see him pinch in, take the railway from Pratt. Pratt then has to decide, okay, I'm going to back it off. I'm going to wheel around. I'm, I'm sick of these, these games that he's playing with me. Um, and then you just see how good Flightline is around the turn when he literally eats Speaker's Corner for lunch. Curtis, this is hurtful but true. Flightline made Speaker's Corner look like Red Strike. And Speaker's Corner, like, don't get this wrong. This is one of the best horses in training coming into this race was speaker. I could have five to two on speaker's corner. I was like, I, I, this is, but th then you see flight line and you see why, like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, I, everything I was, went wrong for flight line. Everything went wrong for flight line in this race. Yep. And he won by six. <laughs> yeah. He had the high, day's highest buyer. Um, the weekend's highest buyer. Um, if I was the connections, I go straight to Pacific classic amount a quarter if he's healthy because, uh, you've got life is good aiming for the Whitney. You've got a lot of great horses in New York aiming for the Whitney. What do you got in California? Express train? Stiletto boy? Who he's already dusted? Like, okay. I'm, I'm sure. still salty about how this race ended. I thought in the lane I was going to nail my triple, my one, three, four triple that I, or four, three triple that I played straight and I was talking about. And Aloha West, man, just not a good horse. Like maybe it was too long. Maybe the distance was too much for Aloha West. Mm -hmm. I, I have not been impressed with this horse. Obviously, won a pace method on the Breeders' Cup. Was able to take advantage of it at a nice price. Done nothing since. I mean, this is again how you don't aren't able to get by speakers. Corner was shocking to me. Well, not shocking. It was frustrating. <laughs> See, and I think again that shows it goes to the talent level of Speakers Corner for him to be able to do. Damn, he didn't quit. He just kept digging in. Um, uh, let's see. But next for him, uh, for the grade one for go at Saratoga. So they're going to keep him one term, which is perfectly smart. Uh, happy saver. Mike, is he the safest big day exotics bet that we have going right now? I feel like you can just put pretty much trust that happy saver is going to hit the board, uh, get second, get third. And, and maybe one of these times in a small, the right field, he, he'll actually, you know, win a race again. Well, I think that Pletcher kind of needs to decide what he wants to do with happy saver. <laughs> okay. We're like, the, the 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 way that he has run this horse here, so the last five races, right? Mile, mile and a quarter, mile and a quarter, mile and eighth, mile sixteenth, mile. Right? It just it, you don't have that that distance where he's able to beat anyone who is the best at that distance. I think Pletch was trying to search a little bit to figure out where that is. Um, you know, obviously, this I thought he ran well here. I mean, he, he beat everybody except the freak, so you, you can't really take anything away from him in this spot. But do you really think he's one of the top milers? And, and this was a one-turn race. You haven't seen him go one turn since he ran a mile back at Belmont to kind of kick off his campaign as a four-year-old. So just a really interesting way that, that, that this horse has been campaigned. I still think they're looking for the best possible uh, route for him. But, like, do you really want to send him to Whitney after this? Like, where, where do you go with him? Is it the four-goal go with seven furlongs? Probably not. Like, no. It's what do you do with this horse? Because he's he could probably win a bunch of grade twos. He could probably beat a lot of the Kentucky grade one horses. But in New York right now, it's it's a murderer's row at the top of the of the list in every single category. Uh, it's Pletcher said he's going to stretch him back out. The mile he thought was probably a little too short, but they they were trying to find a, a good spot. And he said we were hoping that the top two would link up and they would come back to us. And he's like, I was half right. So, yeah. uh, I mean, a great job by Pletcher to put the horse there when I, we're all going. Even Pletcher's going. Miles not his best distance. We just looked at who was there and thought decent chance Take we could get second. Yeah, and he did. Uh, and it, it, imagine if Jackie's Warrior was in that race too. 
then you would have given him an even better chance because you have three horses out there that want to hook up and, and heat the thing up. Would have been interesting. Uh, Nick says that Jackie would have been uh, hard for Flightline to catch. Uh, I disagree respectfully, Nick. You're a great, great mind. I think that the mile would be too much. Jackie's where you saw him almost lose to. Uh, I don't even remember who. The Pat Day mile almost lost Dream Shake. Uh, yeah. That's not that's not a great thing that you almost lost to Dream Shake going a one turn mile. Keep it back at six furlongs. Asmussen said that that's the goal. We're just going to do six furlong races until we can get to the Breeders' Cup, and then uh, that'll be his last start. Uh, Mike, let's move on to probably your favorite race of the day, other than getting Mo Donegal. Well, no, I know what your favorite race was because you stole money, but uh, we'll talk about that race one a little later. Casa Creed, back-to-back champion of the Breeders' Cup, winning your in Jiper. He heads back to the turf sprint stakes, or maybe. Um, let's talk about that in a second. But first, Casa Creed manages to rally past the top two. Let's pull this replay up. We're going to watch this replay a lot, I'm sure. Uh, manages to rally past the top two runners early. I think that that is key because they finished second and third, and this horse had to come from way off and had to get a perfect ride uh, to get the job done. So walk me through Casa Creed. You have been a huge fan of this horse for years. Yeah, I mean, look, this was a, just a classic Casa Creed effort. They, they had this horse going two turns. They cut back to sprinting, won this race last year, so you know like the track. This is a great racetrack for Casa Creed to sprint on because you have these long turns and a long stretch for Casa Creed really to get rolling. The six furlongs hits Casa Creed right between the eyes. You've seen him struggle a little bit going five and a half at Saratoga with tighter turns. And you just, this ride is exceptional. Just saves all the ground on the rail. The one horse that really makes a move from the back. You've got True Valor and Arrestme Red up front. At this point, it looked like they were both going pretty well. You had Gear Jockey and Gregorian Chant right on the outside. It looked like they do something and absolutely mm-hmm. flattened out. But Casa Creed rides the rail, stays inside as you see the one horse change of control, try to wheel out. And then as soon as he gets by change of control, pulls to the outside and just right there, right there. you know it's over. When the jockey made that move, you're like, oh no, he's got horse. He's going to kick here. And that's exactly what happened. Casa Creed went up, went after him, and, and ran down Arrest Me Red, who ran a winning race for the second time in a row and just got beat by a better horse. Yeah, that's just fantastic from, from both of those. From True Valor, who gets third, um, a horse that missed over a year, and then this is just his second start back in over a year. Uh, Graham Motion takes care of that horse real well. Saratoga Slim was on the live show and reported that True Valor is just a tiny little horse, and you can see that. I mean, look at him. I didn't notice it until now. Arrest Me Red looks like he's about two or three feet taller than that poor little horse on the rail, but... Good effort there. It's that eighth pole. Well, I think on the live show, we all went, oh, shit. There you go, Cos Creed. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, if you played the live bankroll article, three, four, five trifecta box was the recommended bet here. And as soon as when the five passed the three, I thought, oh, no, this is going to be a short paying. And then I saw Cos Creed coming. I was like, oh, my God, this is actually going to pay because we got the four over the nine to five favorite there. So awesome job for the guy real quick. Now, can I can I just can I whine for a second? Sure. You know who I liked here, right? Casa Creed. No, no, no. I oh, like Smoke and Jay. Yeah, Smoke and Jay. 25 to 1. Okay. Or Smoke and Jay. So the 10 horse. Let's look at the 10 hole right here. Okay. I can't, I, I think I, I don't know if you can see that. That horse. That, is it's the, the gray right? horse. The gray horse. Yeah. Watch this break. Stops, almost goes to a knee, gets pinched like crazy. Plays pinball. So if you watch this up, uh, watch this on the replay. And this isn't all that happened. And that's why I'm going to complain about this. So here we go. So they're going to break out of the gate. And I'm actually going to do a stable up on this horse later this week because I, I love it. But look where look where Smoke and Jay ends up. Absolutely dead last in a race where the only horse that really was able to close was your eventual winner. Watch him into the turn. He has to check again. And you know where he runs? He runs like sixth or seventh. He's in a photo for sixth at like behind some of the better horses here. I, I like This was a monster effort that is going to look terrible on paper. But like now you start to see him run up. 
He's going to start making a little bit of a move. He almost catches up to Casa Creed here. And we're going to have to tap on the brakes again around the turn. And then we're just going to have to start weaving through traffic. I think this horse actually ran pretty well. I, I the, like One of the horses I love to stable off are horses that I like in a race that then get a terrible trip. But then I can go, okay, I think that there's something back here. So there you saw him had to check again. And yep. here he has to check again. And now he's going to start to move up a little bit, ends up running six. So I'll do a full uh, full replay analysis on this, including the head-on, so you can see a little better on the turn. But the fact that he showed interest after all that happening tells me that he's actually a pretty good horse. The fact they sent him to this race instead of running in the Churchill, where he was 92 third choice, tells me that they believe in the horse as well. So I'll be back on Smoking Jay, baby. Uh, that was a rough one. Uh, one horse I wanted to... Oh, okay, let's talk about Costa Creed a little bit because I do have a couple of uh, bits about him. He's going to head to the four-star Dave at Saratoga, which is a mile-long one-turn race. Bill Mott mm -hmm. is saying that five-and-a-half furlongs, which is what the Breeders' Cup turf sprint will be at Keeneland, too short. So they're actually going to probably, if it goes to Breeders' Cup turf mile, which will be two turns at Keeneland, that is not this horse's main target. The main target this year, Kentucky Downs. Million dollar fan duel turf sprint stakes, same Love purse it. as the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, but a much better setup for that horse. Uh, it's six furlongs, which at Kentucky Downs is closer to seven, which is exactly what this horse needs. So uh, keep that in mind. No matter what happens between now and then, Kentucky Downs, Casa Creed, September 10th. Um, the other horse I want to talk about, Mike, he surprised the hell out of me to miss fourth by a nose the seven horse at 29 to one what makes sammy run this is a california turf sprinter that was with mark glatt they got shipped to james Begg, who's not a high percentage trainer pratt keeps the mount which was interesting but not enough to make me want to play him but uh the biggest rally of the entire race aside from casa creed came from the seven and for him to miss by a nose when the top two horses early finished second and third um, I think this was a very sneaky effort, and especially if Pratt rides him next out, the small barn is not going to make anyone play him. So it's not like this is a Chad Brown or a Wesley Ward. So somebody to watch. What makes Sammy run? Look out for him. Uh, trainers over for eight now turf sprinting, so that's not a great sign. Um, but you can always get a price on him. Yeah, you will get you will get paid if you are correct. This is he like this would be a good sneaky tournament horse, right? Because you're, a lot of people will not play this horse back in tournaments. And you're going to get the right price on him if you if he is there. All right, let's move on. Uh, one race before this, the Ogden Phipps Stakes. This was the uh, a race that kicked off the pick five, and Mike, uh, this hurt. This hurt a really bad way to start off the pick five if you're us because we both singled the defending champion, Latruska. However, fun fact, did you know that last year in 2021, Malathat won three grade one races? To do so, she beat Clarier all three times. She also finished third ahead of Clarier, who was fourth. In the Breeders' Cup distaff, I got that from the DRF article. Clarier turns the tables, and my God, what an effort from here. Let's pull this up. Clarier, Malathat was a fun stretch duel, but I thought Clarier, halfway home, had this whole thing measured. Yeah, well, I, I, I think Malathat was the most disappointing horse in this race. We'll get to that in a second. I was shocked that the Ortiz brothers hooked up here. I mean, that, that to me was the one crazy part. I think that Search Results was doing it on her own. She's just fast, and she's like, no, I'm not backing off, right? And Latrusca's right. like, I'm getting the lead, so... I don't think that that they were even able to try and slow this down. I think that there was no interest in like right here. I or it's yeah, I read has all the reins on search results. He's not trying to press anymore. Mm -hmm. But search results just broke so well, and she wants to be so fast coming out of sprints that she absolutely cooked Latruska. And it sucks because the press pick five would have hit that we gave out on the show, but Latruska just absolutely got cooked early. And then look where Malafat's sitting. Malafat is ahead of Clarier. Malathat's ahead of Clarier the mass majority of this race, 
it's so frustrating after her at the Breeders' Cup and what she did there with not being able to get up and, and this 40 to one shot from Japan winning. And then you have Malathat here, really no excuse to not beat Clarier, right? Consistently has Clarier measured at this point, up a half length, up a full length. You know the top two are going to start coming back here. You knew Latruska was done as soon as search results got by. And search results really didn't want anything to do with mile 16th, especially going to 45 second opening half. So you know now it's the, the match race in third that's actually the one for the top. And it looks like Clarier's by here. And then Latruska gets a half-length lead coming into the stretch. And just the heart's not there, man. I mean, that's the bottom line is that Latruska shouldn't lose from here. Mm-hmm. Just should not lose from here. And it's really disappointing to see it. I'm sorry, Malathat shouldn't lose from here. She just really shouldn't lose from here. It's really disappointing to see it because we saw it in the Breeders' Cup. We saw her lose a very short price at Saratoga. Now we see her lose here in a situation that was set up for her perfectly uh, it's just, you, I can't trust her. And, and she keeps getting bet, and it's frustrating. A lot of people in the chat. Uh, nobody in the chat saying they had Clarier. Everybody's saying Melithat killed them. Uh, that's even worse than having Latruska because then the favorite just quits out like that. You're like, hey, whatever. When you went against the favorite and you lose by it, like in that fashion right there on screen, oof. Uh, I thought that Nick brought up a great point search results, a great effort in defeat yeah. uh, to really finish that close to those top two when I think that mile 16th is too far. I think this is a seven furlong Philly. I'm very excited for search results' uh, second half of the year. I think the Breers Cup Philly Mare Sprint at Keeneland is, uh, I think that's a great spot for her to target. Um, yeah, search results even is getting list- like she didn't change leads because she just got tired. Clarier, she is headed to the personal ensign at Saratoga on the 27th on Traverse Day. Uh, Malathat, here's the thing, Mike. When you have a filly like Malathat who loses the Kentucky Oaks by a what was it by a head? Uh, I'm sorry, the CCA Oaks loses that by a head. Loses the Breeder Cup Distaff like you mentioned by a half length. Now loses this by a head. Barely beats Bonnie South last time out. Uh, you need to go to the drawing board and figure out how do we tinker. You add blinkers. Todd Pletcher's adding blinkers to her next uh, for her next start. Probably going to be the Delaware Handicap. That's a mile and a quarter race. There's usually one star that can go a mile and a quarter who shows up there and a bunch of other horses. So um, I would say that that's probably where she goes next. That's on July 9th. And then we've got a rematch in the personal ensign on the docket. So that's exciting. Yeah, I would say, we'll say, mile 16th, a one-turn mile 16th may be too short for her too. She, yes. she 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 wants a little more distance. So but I I still just I don't like it when horses keep running second by a head and a nose. It just that yeah. to me it's 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 a concern if it consistently happens. Put the blinkers on, see if that fit. It might it might go the opposite. We've seen that happen with horses too. Um, to the point about mile sixteen being too short, she's literally bred the same as Nest. She had the daughter of Curlin out of an AP Indy mare. Uh, yeah. yeah, mile and a quarter Delaware handicap. That should be a good spot for her. Purse Lenson, uh, mile and eighth. Clarier Malathat. Watch out for that one. Latruska, Fausto Gutierrez, her trainer, said came out of the race okay. Um, the fast pace early while carrying 124 pounds did her in, and she was acting up in the paddock. I don't know. She, she uh, tread carefully next time for her next start because we see these fillies and mares, Mike, when they decide they're done, they, they fall off the map hard. And she kind of was throwing her head around a little bit, uh, wasn't responding at all. I, I, we haven't seen that from her in America since the Breeders' Cup, and that wasn't that long ago for her. Yeah, I, I will. I look. I, I think Latruska is more of a bet back than Clarier is. How about that? I think Clarier. I think Clarier takes money off this. I think Latruska got a situation where he had a sprinter hit her hard, going one turn instead of two. She wants two, not one. I, I think this 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 race set up the way it played out. The race set up on paper great for her. The way it played out was awful for her. Clarier got the perfect setup, and it's one of those horses that I think is 
average at best against these grade one type fields. And if she takes a bunch of money, then I'm just, I'm not interested in Clary or back. Uh, Jack Christopher in the Woody Stevens stakes. We talked about Jack Christopher a little bit, but uh, just, I mean, nobody's been even close to this horse. It's ironic that the horse that's been closest to him in his entire career is command performance. But uh, seven furlongs easily clinches the Woody Stevens stakes. We talked about the Haskell at mile and eighth. It'll be his first time going two turns. That's next up for him. Is this the best three-year-old male in the country right now? (sighs) Shit. I mean, maybe. we, We thought this was one of the best in the crop scratches out of the breeder's cup and come kind of we were like when is this horse going to come back when's this horse going to come back we both tried to play against jack christopher in kentucky saying okay it's been so long there's got to be a little bit got to be a little flat in the pate mile was not flat at all uh was wildly impressive whoops wrong wrong idea uh gave up and said okay this is this is where we definitely think jack christopher rolls unfortunately it's at a wildly short price you're not getting any type of price on this horse in the future. So it's really a single or try and beat pretty much in every race he's in for the rest of the year. It's going to be tough to try and beat him, but he's going to be over singled. So it, it makes it tough as a handicapper how to do that. Probably a good exacta horse. We didn't talk. We talked a little bit about the flight line happy saver exacta, but that paid five to one. And that was a pretty easy exactly to have. Jack Christopher might be another one of those horses where you're like, do I like to, can I toss a second and third choice? Can I toss a second choice and find some type of value if someone else is getting bet with him? He's damn good, man. I, if he takes the two turns, he could be the best three-year-old in, in the training. It's tough to say because we haven't seen him take the two turns. And there are other yeah. speed balls in this group that he has not faced anyone who's actually put pressure on him early. Here he was able to stalk. And I think that was actually the most impressive thing for both Flightline and Jack Christopher. And Jack Christopher did do that in Kentucky as well. But Flightline stalking and winning makes him so much more dangerous. And Jack Christopher able to do it twice in a row makes him a lot more dangerous as well. Uh, I will say that I think he is the best three-year-old in the crop right now. And that's without going two turns. Um, I'm gonna, because of what you said on the live show, buddy, you said that it was how impressive it was that he just shuts off. He can rate, he can sit back, he can let provocateur do the work. He can Whatever Jose Ortiz needed him to do, he did it. And that's a rare champion-style quality to have in a horse. So uh, very impressive for him. Uh, Papa Cap? Continues to prove he's been best at these longer seven, eight furlong one-turn races. And provocateur, I'm now a grade one-placed owner at Belmont Park. So that's pretty exciting. There you go. Yeah, I, I thought, honestly, you know, people are throwing some hate over at Morello. Morello and Witt really disappointing in this spot. I, and neither of them really picked up their feet. Neither of them were able to run on very much. I, I thought they were the two most disappointing. And Papa Cap, look, good horse. Just got to stop running against Jack Christopher, right? I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the main issue for Papa Cap here. Um, and, and, you know. The way that this thing breaks out and they go, it's it, it's really impressive to see what Jack Christopher is able to do and, and the way that he rates and goes. And, and he seems like a push-button horse, doesn't he? Like, it seems like as soon as they ask, he responds. And, and they don't ever really even need to touch him here in this spot. I thought this was really impressive to back off, let Provocateur go. Tip back and then go out. Tip outside is exactly what we saw Pratt do with Flightline. And to know that you have the confidence in the best horse to be able to do that. And, and this is... When he when the button got pushed, he just went, and it, it yep. you don't often see that type of turn of foot on the dirt. Again, the two turns is a question with him. We haven't seen him go two turns, but he, he kind of feels like a better version of Epicenter. Is that a fair comp? Right? Like if mm-hmm. if that's if he can handle it, that's kind of what it feels like. And the pedigree says he can handle it. So I, I mean, I, you got to respect him a lot moving forward. I mean, it's, he's Epicenter, but faster, a lot faster. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, Curtis, he is going to the Haskell, which will be a two-turn test. And uh, like Mike said, you either need to single him in that race or you need to go uh, a little deeper. It'd be interesting if Taba shows up. I don't think he will, but it'd be interesting if he does show up there just to see uh, what happens. Mike, we'll keep this replay up because this is a lot more fun and a hell of a lot shorter to watch than the Brooklyn Stakes, which was before this. Uh, fearless, really impressive effort. Todd Pletcher said they thought the horse could run all day. He proved it. Going a mile and a half. Next start for him will be the grade two Suburban going a mile and a quarter on Belmont Derby Day. And then also targeting that race, Warrant, who had a pretty poor start, ran better than I thought he would, Mike. I thought the same handicap was a, a bad race, an outlier, and didn't come back that strong because I don't love express train. But, yeah, Fearless and Warrant, we're going to see them in the Brooklyn. Do you take anything away from that race? Um, honestly, if I'm going to take anything away from it, it's that uh, Lone Rock, it's a field dependent horse. Like we talked about this heading yep. into it. He hadn't faced this caliber of horse before. We hadn't seen a fearless, a warrant, even a first constitution, a max player, a Portos. All of those horses are better than the horses he was beating. Now he ends up running 30 or it actually ran pretty well, but he, he is field dependent and you cannot take him at a short price against these type of fields. I thought he was, I mean, I mentioned it. I thought Echo Zulu and he were the two weakest favorites on the card and Echo Zulu, obviously we, we will never know. Uh, Lone Rock never looked like a winner in this race. Uh, it's worth noting that uh, the final time for, for Fearless here going a mile and a half was 230.45. Modonigal, 228.28. Uh, both of them trained by Todd Pletcher, owned by Rapoli Stable. Uh, that's enough for that race. There's really, you, you summed it up perfectly, and I really wanted you to talk about Lone Rock, so thanks for doing that. Before that, oof, this was a rough way to start for the live bankroll article. Speak of the Devil left her race at Churchill Towns. She didn't bring it with her to Belmont Park. Uh, broke slowly, but I don't know that it, that mattered. Regal Glory, I mean, my God, this horse just continues to impress. Mike, what'd you take away from the Just a Game Stakes? I don't know what to take away from this race. Um, here, let me flip over and put it back up. Uh, this one's tough because, like, how do you – how are you that bad from, from Speak of the Devil, right? Or, right? Because, like, you just – you can't expect Speak of the Devil to have this much of a non-effort. And, and that's exactly what it was. It was a non-effort. Yeah, the break wasn't great, but to not even pass – uh, to only pass one horse in legs galore and not be able to get past the four horse in Italian, who she beat easily last time and was not this pressed, was ridiculous. Um, but that is the bottom line, what Christopher is saying here. Look, Regal Glory was a freak. I don't think it really mattered what game Speak of the Devil brought. Jared brought up the point from a, uh, a, a rags perspective, or a sheets perspective. Yep. Regal Glory was a standout over Speak of the Devil. Even from a buyer perspective, Regal Glory's last two efforts better than Speak of the Devil. Speak of the Devil went off the favor because of the breathtaking move she made. She did not have any of that here. And so the question is why? The answer is I'm not sure. And we saw this from a couple Chad Brown horses over the weekend on the turf. The dirt horses all ran really well. The turf, we struggled a little bit. I mean, Regeer wins that race with, with uh, Bleecker Street, but Regeer doesn't fire at all. Speak of the Devil doesn't fire at all. Um, it just I don't know if they bounced or they just didn't like the turf. They wanted two turns. Like I, You don't know, but this was a, a rough effort. But let's not take anything away from Regal Glory, who right here is a length in front and absolutely looks like a monster down the lane. <coughs> sorry, I thought I muted that. I'm sorry. The uh, Regal Glory just uh, – she never let uh, Speak of the Devil really get within range. The Jose never let Speak of the Devil get within range. And watching that on the turn – it was heartbreaking. It's just supposed to be the devil because you're just you're watching into the turn, going, not gonna win it, 
Not going to win it. Just no Regal Glory. Like if there was live betting at that point, you're like throwing a thousand dollars. You're just going bet max, bet max on Regal Glory, right? They just uh, no way. Um, but let's talk about where they're going. Regal Glory could also go meet Casa Creed in the four star. Dave going a mile. Uh, her her goal is the Breeders' Cup Turf Mile, which should be no surprise. She does love to race at Keeneland. This is a horse who's now won seven of her last nine races. Three of her last four uh, races, all wins were Grade Ones. Um, the, the only one that wasn't was the Pegasus World Cup Philly Mare Turf, and it's you know it's not Grade One status yet, but I think Real Glory is going to at least push it to Grade Two next year. Uh, also, she lost the Just a Game. She finished fourth in the last two runnings of the Just a Game. So like if you look at her form, it's one 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 two by half length one one one, and you got those two outliers that are fours. It's the Just a Game. So uh, turns the tables on that. Anything else to take away from this field, Mike? They went really fast. 132 is a really good mile. I know it's, it's, it's a one-turn mile. It's a really good mile. Um, she also has tactical speed, which I think people ignore sometimes. She can sit a lot closer to the lead. Now, obviously, going 22-45, she chose not to in this spot. But she has tactical speed, which you don't see a lot from these Chad Brown horses. She doesn't need to come from the cloud. So I thought it was a really impressive race. I, I underrated her going into it, and that uh, it was a mistake. One more race to talk about. That would be uh, the grade one acorn stakes and a pretty disappointing one, at least in terms of uh, for horse racing fans, Mike, just because Echo Zulu versus Matarea was supposed to be the big showdown and we were getting a price on Matarea. Echo Zulu was the favorite. And then uh, Joel Rosario said that there's something felt off. Track Vet says that she was lame in the left foreleg and so they scratched her there. Uh, initial x-rays are negative, so that's good news. Uh, even better news, Mike, if you were betting overseas, there's a chance that you could have gotten Matarea while we were watching Joel Rosario on Saddle Echo Zulu. Yeah, 165 was available. Um, Crazy. It, always no, no, nowhere to go uh, to find angles. Um, look, Matarea, I think, was winning this race either way. I'm going to be honest. Yes. I had Matarea over Echo Zulu. The way that she ran, I think she was going to beat Echo Zulu anyway. I, I give props to Joel Rosario, who I often take shots at. I, like... I'm happy he did the right thing by the horse. If he felt like she's not warming up, and he's ridden her quite a few times, if he feels like she's not warming up right, he should say something. And it, it like, Asterson was pissed. It actually does take some bit of guts to be able to step up and say, no, I don't think this horse is right. I don't think she should run. It sounds like it shouldn't, but it does, because you're pissing off the trainer, the connections, everybody else. And the chance that he says something means the vet is 100% scratching that horse. There is zero chance that the, the vet at the gate cannot scratch Echo Zulu if Rosario comes up and says something feels wrong. Because if something happens, like the ramifications from that would either we'd never hear about it or the ramifications would be vast and widespread. So like really gave the vet no choice at the gate, did what I believe is the best for the horse. So props to Joel Rosario for making that decision. Matare is a stud. Like, let's just, let's just be clear. She is very, very, very good, especially like I, I loved this horse going at, at Churchill. I liked her going into this. I, I think she would have won anyway based on the way she ran. Not much behind her here. So it's really a paid workout, but she looked good in a paid workout. Uh, she definitely did. She reminds me a bit of Kofefi, who Brad Cox had, that uh, as a three-year-old won the Breeders' Cup. Failure Mare Sprint, and really just like almost every single test she passed with with a plum. So um, like uh, Kofefi, they're going to send Matarea to the grade one test in early August at Saratoga. And then maybe one start, maybe the Dogwood at Churchill, which Kofefi won before the Breeders' Cup Failure Mare Sprint. Uh, but a really impressive effort from her. And uh, yeah, we hope Echo Zulu, everything is okay, but you're right. Especially with what happened with Lecrate. Luckily, Lecrate didn't break down and survive, but Rosario was riding her for Asmussen in a fairgrounds uh, Oaks prep. 
and and had to pull her up because something was wrong. So um, that's good. Yeah, Davey says, we're still waiting on a Slim interview with Asmussen. If you missed the live show, lots of great moments from Saratoga Slim, including um, his just absolute excitement that Rich Strike had diarrhea right before the Belmont, and he got it on camera. Um, but uh, he also went up to Steve Asmussen out of the blue. Steve didn't know he was there and was focused on something, and Slim put his arm around him and tried to get a live interview, and the camera froze. Yeah. Like, I, I wish it hadn't because uh, – Steve Ashton is clearly like, who the bleep is this guy, right? That's first off. When it froze, his eyes were this big. Yeah. I saw that. He's like, and what, what are you streaming to? What, what, what is going on right now? I mean, he was in shock. It was pretty funny. Uh, Slim, not, not scared of, uh, of going after things. So it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> the restraining order might be before the interview. Uh, but it was, it was an absolute blast uh, to have Slim kind of jump in and out from the track and from the feed. And it's a, a different, unique perspective on the, on the horses. We kept trying to ask him questions to get him to answer. And that didn't work so well. He just kept talking about whatever the hell he wanted to talk about, which at one point was diarrhea. At one point was, uh, was it poly D at one point it was Askerson. He did talk about the horses as well, which was nice. Uh, so it was a blast having him on and jumping in. Poison, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great having all the guys on. I thought we did a great job with that. So we're going to keep that going. For Saratoga, the bit in Del Mar, the big weekends uh, will be on for the live show, doing the late pick four, pick five, whatever it is, but lots of coverage. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yes. It is worth, I'm not going to repeat it for the podcast listeners, but it's just lots of lots more poo-poo talk happening in the chat, and we'll leave it at that in case you don't want to hear it. Uh, but, hey, if you want to hear more of us, we'll be back on Thursday. Until then, thank you so much for joining us for the Magic Mike Show. Uh, Mike, I haven't looked ahead yet. I, well, a little bit. I know that uh, Belmont's got the poker stakes. Monmouth has the Pegasus stakes, which is the prelude for Haskell Week, and I feel like maybe we no. should go to Monmouth this weekend. No. What do you think? No. No whips, no Magic Mike. It's the rule. Can we get that? I mean that in a clean way, people. Don't don't take that. Oh, <laughs> come on, us in the leather chaps. No oh. whips, no magic, Mike. Come on. I guess that's, that's actually that's fair. Davey, the first thing we had in the comments, he says, "Can you design a new magic Mike shirt?" I mean, I think we just got our slogan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no whips, no magic, Mike. <laughs> I mean, the, the, it is the magic Mike show, right? It was, it was, so yeah, okay. Anyway, no, we're not going to Monmouth. I refuse to go to Monmouth. Chris we'll says they go... have whips again. Do they? Are they fake whips or are they real whips? <laughs> I think it's the styrofoam ones that are fake. I don't think it's legit ones. I'm They're a legit pool noodles, guy Mike. Yeah. They're pool noodles, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it works well when it's uh, water polo, but that's about it. Real quick, Magic. We got the Stanley Cup Finals starting Wednesday. Yes. Tampa Bay, Colorado. Who you got? Uh, Betting-wise, Tampa, uh, when I was on the Four Future Considerations podcast talking derby, they asked, I said that the cup goes through Florida, whether it's the Panthers or the Lightning. It's good, the, one of those two teams is going to represent the East, and it's who's going to be good enough. I, it goes down to goaltending for me. I always, I'm always i an old-school guy for hockey. Vasilevsky, I still think, is the best in the world, and he just beat the best goalie this year. I'm glad you said that. Bottle of Casamigos tequila, I'll give you Lightning plus one-and-a-half games. What was the first thing you said? Bottle of Casamigos tequila. You said it so fast. I thought, what did you say? Bottle of tequila. I've been all over Casamigos tequila. Not even getting, this is an unpaid ad. I love this stuff. And so uh, bottle of Casamigos tequila, I will give you lightning minus, or plus a game and a half. So Colorado has to win the series 4-2. If it's 4-3, you win. Uh, I'll take it. I'm also had to look up first uh, how much does Casamigos tequila cost because I'm not going to say yes. Uh, I don't know if this is you know Woodhaven or Woodbridge or Wood Duck or whatever Wood Beaver that thing was, but uh, not wildly overpriced, by the way. 
Um, no, I, I listen. If Colorado wins, Darren Helm was my favorite Detroit Red Wing from the moment he was a rookie in 07-08. And when he left and he went to Colorado, I went, that mother effer is going to make me root for Colorado in the cup. So it's win-win for me. I win a bottle of tequila or Darren Helm wins a Stanley Cup and can retire on top. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I was uh, I was on Vincent earlier talking Stanley Cup finals. And like one of the things that we discussed was the fact that like I, I like Colorado quite a bit in this spot. I don't think they're going to be flat at all game one. I agree with you. The big issue is goalie. You know, they're out shooting their opponents 570 to 395 in the Stanley Cup playoff. That is wild. But it shows how, and that, like Washington, they, they dominate. So like you have these minute possessions in the in the defensive zone if you're facing them. You just pray to get the puck deep. Then you're running over your bench to switch, and they've got Kyle McCarr and, and they've got Devon Taves, who are defensemen that can take the puck coast to coast. And all of a sudden, you're in your own zone again for a minute, just praying to get it out. And they do it for 15 minutes of the period, and it's just it is wild to watch them be able to dominate like that. If the if Tampa wins, Vasilevsky stands on his head in at least two of these games. I mean, it, and it's wild to me that the Blues, who I think are as good or better with Bennington than Tampa was minus 325, Colorado minus 325 against the Blues. It's minus 185 against the Lightning. I, I think it's just priced too low. And by the way, our bet is plus 105, minus 115, the Lightning are the favorite. So we actually have an even money bet that we put it up. Okay. Yeah. Not trying to take advantage of you. Take it. I think Dr. Tang was either trying to get me to take the bet or is encouraging other slogans for the new shirt. Uh, not sure which one of those uh, it would end up being. Um, real quick, we'll get out of here because it's been long. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for this long show. Taba is, well, technically he's with Sean McCarthy at the moment. Taba will be with Bob Baffert. That's Do you know answer. that or is that the assumption? Well, that's the assumption. Did, okay. if, you're, if you're Bob's best friend, Amrose Zidane, who like yeah. stood up for him as much as he could. The second Baffert's back, you don't send Taba back to him, especially would, when Taba lost without Baffert. I, I would expect that Baffert gets a lot of these horses back. Yes. We'll see. Anyway, but, you know, we'll see. Um, Jim, real quick, big week, Royal Ascot. It is. We talked a little about it on the top. Um, I'm going to do a daily preview for Royal Ascot, talking about each of the group ones or twos that are coming up. So Magic's got to edit that because uh, I didn't do it in one take. Uh, so they can go up onto the YouTube page. Uh, so we'll, we'll do. We'll have some coverage there, just talking about the horses that are running. And I have a 30 to 1 shot I like tomorrow that I'm going to use in the exacta coming out. Yeah, see, got to tease it a little bit. Uh, so I got a 30 to one shot there. I, I love the horses and coffee thing. It's fun to have these races going on in the morning. It's a lot of fun to just watch the meet. Uh, don't bet too much on it though, because look, it's it, DRF has past performances, which is nice for me. You can get time form ones. You can get brisnet ones. Um, but it, these fields are tough. I, I, I like just throwing down like a $5 box key and I'll put one horse with three horses and that one horse is usually a price. And I'm hoping I can just get monster exactly so because that's the way I've done well there at ASCAP before. Are the PPs down again? I just tried pulling it up, and it's like every Wednesday other time. just came out during our show because this has gone on so long. Uh, well, Tuesdays no, have been out since Monday, so I'll, I'll take a look at Wednesdays and hopefully get that done for you tonight. Well, no, like at DRF, I can't even get to load. That's weird. Well, oh, DRF was down for like a, the whole weekend. TBG oh. was down for part of Belmont Day. I mean, it's been a rough uh, ADW slash, I mean, I guess DRF is technically an ADW now, uh, a couple weeks here with the Derby failures and now the, the Belmont failures. It was It was rough on Sunday. Because they went down midday too, and you got the Gulfstream mandatory payout pick six. You got the Golden Gate mandatory payout pick six. You've been both past performances. Uh, epicenter is too many syllables. It's too, four syllables is too many. Uh, on my birthday on Thursday, yeah, that's right. I'm plugging my birthday. I'm excited because my birthday present will be Stradivarius winning his fourth Ascot Gold Cup. Rodney, I'm excited for it. Um, I God, I love this horse. I love Stradivarius so much. I'm so excited did, for this. How didn't I realize? So your birthday episode is next. My birthday episode is, is Monday. 
We're going to have back-to-back birthday episodes on the Magic Mike Show. Yes! Oh, that's going to be awesome. Okay, that's a perfect way to sign off. Join us for the first back-to-back birthday episodes of the Magic Mike Show on Thursday where we're covering not Monmouth Park because no whips, no Magic Mike Show. Uh, But we'll have a fun one probably at Belmont Park. Tune in until then. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellard. He is at SummerBomb18, number one, number eight, corporate world. It's at Racing underscore dudes. Thanks so much for the support through the Triple Crown. We've got a fun summer planned ahead. Until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Go uh, Avalanche. Damn it. I God, I, I forgot who I bet on already. Uh, have fun and uh, go Darren Helm. That's what I'll say. Go Darren Helm. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels. Never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes 